This is The Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend all the way in LA, my friend, Nerida Bronwyn. Hello, Nair. Hello. How are you? I haven't, I haven't seen you physically in person in over four years. Oh my, has it been that long? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, that would make sense. That would make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm good. That's been way too long. I mean, part of it is because I haven't actually been, I haven't been home to Australia in two and a half years yeah. at this point, which is not by choice. It's obviously due to the state of the world right now. Yeah. Um, but I'm planning to come back next April for a for a big visit. To, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I'm very homesick for sure. But I do love living here, and I did choose to stay throughout <laughs> the pandemic. And mm. yeah, keep pursuing my dreams. <laughs> yeah, because like I remember when you were initially talking to me about like the 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 thing had always been on the tables to move to LA for you. And, but it was sort of like when, and I think we had a conversation probably like, probably almost a year before you left, probably like, like it's definitely happening. Like it's just, you know, you'd sort of like packing your job kind of thing, knowing that there's a goal to get over there. Yeah. When did it feel like to you a reality to go there? So I, as, as you know already, I had obviously um, spent quite a bit of time coming over to the States, not just LA. Mm. Um, I have family on the East Coast, which is, which is wonderful and has been a really lovely thing to have over here while living here because I feel like I've got these people that I can just go and stay with, with and I, I've definitely taken advantage. They're they're all on the East Coast, so it's a nice excuse as well to like get over to the East Coast, visit New York, which I try to do at least a couple times a year in kind of normal life. Mm. But um, that's something that made it really nice for the move, having family in the country. Yeah. Uh, but it was also a reason, yeah, for my for my uh, desire to move here from a young age. I came over to the states for the first time when I was like seven to meet that family, to meet my cousins. And, um, I kind of fell in love with aspects of America. Obviously it was, it was very much through like, uh, how do I put this? Like it was a very sugar-coated experience, excuse the pun, because (laughs) (laughs) I, it's funny to me because I really realized how much sugar is in the American diet when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, um, yeah, I just had such a fantastic trip and had this desire to move to America from a young age. Um, but I'd wanted to be, I, I wanted to be an actor from the age of four, which I think you knew as well. Like I, I am just one of those people. This has been a lifelong dream. Yeah. So as I got older, uh, I very much also realized that, uh, my career would hopefully, uh, bring me over here anyway. So it kind of just became a goal. Yeah. Um, and then it's not the easiest thing to obtain visas, green cards, um, I think most people that don't win the green card lottery just end up either paying someone or finding someone to marry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so I was I was kind of afforded an opportunity initially to come over here um, with with my partner Graham, who had gotten his O one, and I actually initially came over for the first 
like nine months to a year on an O2 um, as his tour manager. He's a touring musician. Um, and that was that was a really fun experience, actually. But pretty much as soon as I uh, sat down here, I got to work on obtaining my own O1 visa. And I have to say it was, it was definitely not the cheapest uh, way to do this. It wasn't the easiest mm. way. But being in the States whilst uh, obtaining everything I needed to get that visa was a lot easier. It, it, I feel like it would have been quite and is quite difficult to do from Australia unless you have maybe representation over here already. So um, it was just kind of how I got there and ended up getting that O-1 visa for myself within the first year and I just renewed for the second time at the beginning of this year. Yeah, which, you know... Wasn't easy, but I yeah, yeah got over here. I mean, and congratulations (laughs) because, like, the fact that you're still there sort of, you know, I always knew you'd you'd stay once you you know left because <laughs> you're just that kind of person. But I think to it's interesting because there must have been so many people just going, "Is, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it?" Like, I I definitely I definitely did have a bit of that. I think for the most part, um, all of my closest friends, my support network, my family, um we're nothing but that in the way of supportive, yeah. uh, which I'm very blessed because I know not everyone, especially not every creative person has that kind of support, it, depending, you know, their, their on their family, it might be cultural, mm. there's m- a multitude of things that can make it difficult to get the support when you're pursuing a creative career. Um, my dad definitely had, uh, he, he was, again, very supportive, but I had a pretty comfortable job uh, working at Foxtel, which you again, yeah. we're both in that broadcast television world. You, you've had a, you know, years of experience there as well, so you very much know what I'm talking yeah. about. But um, I really did love the job that I did at Foxtel in presentation. I really loved it, and it is one of those jobs that if I wasn't so passionate about pursuing filmmaking and acting and and the other hats that I wear. Um, I, I would have quite happily stayed there for a long time, but that job essentially put me in a position where I was watching everyone else be on TV being actors. <laughs> yeah. And not- yeah. As much as I love the security and the, uh, well, the job in general, um, I just knew that I had to kind of continue to pursue the dreams. So my dad was like, are you sure it's, it's such a good little job? But I was like, dad. Uh, if if anything fails, I'm sure I can go back if I have yeah. to. <laughs> so and, and like your job was so specific um, as, as well. It was like, and one of the things that you know most people ask, I think me is is like what's working in TV like, especially watching like from a technical role or a presentational role. And it is it is very much as you describe. You're watching everyone else be on the television yeah and be creative and part of your brain just goes I wish that was me yeah no that's very true it is a mostly technical job and there isn't a whole lot of room for creativity when I first started working in television I was a programming scheduler and there was a little bit of creativity in that like you would get to kind of you know I was particularly designing the ad breaks Mm. for a shopping network so I made it creative in any way that I could, but I also do thrive off the technical. Um, And I really found that I had more 
uh, more of a skill set for that than I thought I did. I think I always just thought I was, you know, I was the drama, the art kid. Mm. I was good at English. I was okay at maths and science. And when it came to like super technical things, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really good at that. But it turned out that I wasn't terrible. So that's good. Um, but it it just gave me an understanding into a whole nother side of, I guess, the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, I something that I have found through doing jobs like that is and wearing lots of different hats is that I I know every facet of say what it takes for like from let's say a television show. Everything from it being an idea, becoming a script, getting casted, and there's obviously a whole lot of other stuff in between this, but just for the sake of yeah. this, you know, casting the actors, getting getting everything together making the production, selling it, getting it onto network if it wasn't already optioned or whatever it is. And then I went from, yeah, training as an actor to the final, final moments of a project then going to air on television. So I feel like it was hugely beneficial um, in that way as well. Plus the job uh, allowed me a certain level of flexibility to keep pursuing yeah, I can keep pursuing acting. I remember shooting a short film early in my career at Foxtel and working night shifts while I did it. And it was like four straight days oh. of on set all day, sleeping in my car uh, for like an hour before I had to go into work, leaving work, going straight to set, sleeping, like napping on set when they didn't need me, going back to work <sighs> that night. And as fun as it was, I wouldn't recommend doing that uh, too often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound healthy at all. Like, no, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> I mean, like, which, are, you know, because I always know you're a hard worker and I've always known that for, you know, first time I met you, which, you know, it seems like. Forever ago. It's been so many years. <laughs> but I think the one thing that I, you know, and, and I didn't realize until like probably not even that long ago, you and I are very similar in the way, like, as people. Mm. And I'll give you prime examples. We've both come from creative backgrounds. We've both come from technical backgrounds. Yeah. And we both have erratic ways of, <laughs> like, but we're very emotional and we're very, like, hard-on-sleeve yeah. kind of people. And the the one thing I think that, you know, is we're very transparent people. We We don't have a lot of... Um, you know, in the creative world, there's sort of like guards and everyone's kind of a bit more reserved. We're not like that. No. Completely the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. A lot of people know. And I mean, look, I'm I'm glad about it. Like oh. people know when they meet me, I mean, once they meet me, they figure this out, I guess, uh, that, yeah, what what you see is what you get. Yeah. Like I, I have, you know, I definitely have certain masks and I, I definitely – uh, like anyone alter my behavior in certain circumstances, but, but not to a point that I'm still not authentically me. And I, I would agree. I I think you're very similar to that. And I love that you said hard on your sleeve. I, I, I know we're on a podcast and that our, our listeners can't, can't see this, but I can show you. Um, I actually have a a very small tattoo on my, on my wrist and it's a very, can you see it? It's a very accurate. That's the cutest thing. Correct heart. In the world. (laughs) And I love that. Yeah. So talk about wearing my heart on my sleeve. I 
I, I went and made that pretty permanent. <laughs> That's the best thing in the world. Um, also, the, the, you know, I think you as a person, uh, you know, are so unique and positive. Mm-hmm. And I think this comes down to just knowing you for so long. But I also think the one thing is is you're very much, and, you know, you, you're very good at sensing who's going to waste your time and who's not going to. You have a real awareness mm. of that. Yeah. You always believe in something when you know it's, you know, worth your time and and the people behind it are very good at what they do. Yeah. You know, some people would call that cutthroat, (laughs) you know, or whatever. But I I think it's just you're very good at, you know, seeing through the bullshit of this industry, which is there's a lot of it. Yeah. How did that go for early days versus now? How are you – how's that even improved once you moved to LA? I love love that question – and statement first and foremost, um, because it's it's interesting that you see me like that because I don't not agree, but I also am a massive people pleaser. And so, and I do have trouble saying no. And so throughout my career, uh, specifically life and personal stuff as well, but hmm. for, for the sake of this, throughout my career, I, I still definitely have had moments where I've committed to things, said yes to things, and they've ended up either falling apart, never going ahead, or just going ahead and not being great. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's part of the journey is the, the stuff in my earlier career that uh, were like that taught me some very, very valuable lessons. And I think... I yeah I'm not I'm not sad about it at all obviously the times where I worked on say I, you know there's some short films out there that I'm in that <laughs> I, I I hope that they just in <laughs> someone's house somewhere on a tape <laughs> <laughs> like and have never reached the internet yeah um but but at, at the same time I've always been pretty proud of everything I've done personally even if you know, I've worked on a project where I didn't necessarily see eye to eye with the director, the writer, the other actors, whatever. They, again, those are such crucial experiences in my opinion because you really do learn what you want, the kinds of projects that you want to work on, the kinds of people you want to work with. Mm. Um, there, there is, There's nothing more educational for an actor or anyone else on set than actually working on a dysfunctional set and I'm glad that the dysfunctional sets I worked on were relatively small scale, as in they they might only be a week or two yeah. tops because it's it was a smaller project. And then the bigger things I've been able to work on were then brilliant demonstrations of true professionalism and of crews working as a well-oiled machine and all sticking to their jobs. Yes. And so sets tend to, yeah, fall apart if people are overstepping or not doing their job to the fullest or trying to do other people's jobs. That's why when it works well, it works brilliantly because everybody stays in their lane, everybody knows what they're doing. And so when I first had the opportunity to work on, yeah, more professional sets, um, it made me want to be more professional. And that's why in my career I've dabbled in other areas like, um, something that's been really cool that I've done over the last kind of seven to nine months, I think, um, uh, I've been directing music videos over here. Mm. Um, and that has been such a great experience because, uh, I, I, I 
played with directing a little bit um, on, you know, my own projects, things I'd written, things that I was like uh, showreel yeah. scenes or whatever it was. I've I've had a taste of it. But actually being the director on an, a proper music video set was both daunting and scary but so, so good. And, yeah, I, I realized I wasn't completely terrible at it and I think years of acting training have, have definitely helped with that because I know how to communicate with actors. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've tasted producing. Like I said, I've, I've especially in the last three years here in L.A., I've really been honing my skills as a writer and I, I have no ego as a writer. I, I just love doing it. And so it's really nice to hand someone a script I've written and be like, please do not worry about my feelings. I have no ego. Rip this to shreds <laughs> for me and tell me how to be better. So it's just, that's been such a, a, a wonderful journey for me. Um, and to, yeah, to just feel that humbleness about getting to, because I'm, yeah, again, I was relatively new to it, but the stuff that I've written so far has gotten pretty good feedback. So I, I, yeah, I think my love and passion for doing that comes through. So it's definitely, that's something I want to keep getting better at, keep pursuing yeah. and yeah, eventually be really working on a lot of the stuff that I write. And so I've done that on a small scale and a, a few short films, um, a couple of little projects that I've written and filmed and worked with. Uh, my my production company that I that I started with two good friends during the pandemic in 2020. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's just that's been that's been amazing. So I I think to answer your question to to bring it all in, um, yeah, starting with some of the small stuff and but then also experiencing both dysfunctional and well working sets. I wouldn't change a thing. Because it's made me the both the the actor and the artist, but also the filmmaker that I'm becoming today. Yeah. So yeah, I feel I feel like I for the first time coming into my 30s, I I trust myself more than ever. With I finally I feel like I've gotten to an age where my experience and training, I'm allowed to be like, I'm good at what I do. I'm not I'm not cocky. But I, I've just been doing this for a long time and I think it's important to be able to do that because then how can other people trust you? How can other people want to work with you if yeah. you're uh, insecure about your abilities or unsure of them? So that's something that's the last few years has been has been a really beautiful kind of self-discovery journey uh, both personally and in my career. So, yeah. So, yeah, uh, compared to the earlier days, I'm just a lot more confident in what I know how to do these days. I, th yeah. I think that's very true. And I think something that I noticed, especially talking to you now versus like talking to you a few years back, is how much more confident you sound, like, and how much more assured. You sound good. I'm glad because this is not the first time you've interviewed no, me no. either. But uh, this is like <laughs> so. Like... <laughs> one of my most favorite interviews ever, though, was with you. Was that that one we did but, that we shot? Sorry, not one, <laughs> three interviews. So, oh, that's right. Elephant in the that's room. Right. Nerida was so. This is a combination. <laughs> if anyone has worked it out by now, this is a combination 
podcast about an old idea I had about five years ago <laughs> and essentially stemmed from what was going to be a documentary. But then just I got to a point where I was like, I have so many interviews. What do I do with these? Like, they're great. But I have people suddenly not liking what they've said. I've had all sorts of like conflicting information. And, and that happens over time because people change and they, yeah, all of that. So it was like, <laughs> I left it to the wayside. It sat on a, like, this is the problem, like, to, uh, you know, and had a bunch of stuff happen in my personal life. And so I just couldn't look at it because it was related to mm. a certain time. And now I've just kind of, ever since the pandemic started this, and I'm so grateful that one, You've come back to chat to me, but also absolutely. Too, this conversation to me feels like you've never left. Like it's like how we were sitting. Yeah, um, I remember one time we were sitting in the pub, and we were just having a chat about life. I know over a couple of beers, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, and we were a little bit tipsy <laughs> and just talking shit about life. So it was like, I miss. There's Aww, so much I, I miss I, about I like. Your presence, but it, you have not, in my mind, you have not changed. You're still that 20 something year old who is like, I remember when we were filming a scene, you just instantly ran behind me and hugged me <laughs> and, and like swung my arms around. And, <laughs> and then poor Todd, you whispered inappropriate things to him constantly. I did. That was always my favorite thing to do on like slightly more, I guess, casual sets, mm. if that's the right word for it. The ones where I knew that it was a close knit yeah. um, group of people. We were all professionals doing what we loved, but there was this relaxed energy on set because like when it was go time, it was go time and we got our jobs done. Yeah. But in between, we just had fun. We just had a whole lot of fun. And and they're my favorite sets. They're my favorite memories. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I, I used to do this thing on, on sets like that when, when it was appropriate. I think I just used to start. It was always my way of checking that my mic was on or whatever. <laughs> but I, I would just start making, like, animal noises to the sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> And and but I'd go through and I'd be like, sound sample four hundred and twenty-five, a chicken, or <laughs> 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 whatever it was, and and I would just see the sound guy, whoever it was, on whatever set, just smile or start to lose yeah. it or give me a glance, and I just knew that it had made their day in this moment while they were setting the shot up and we were ready to go and. There was a bit of time for some tomfoolery. Yeah. <laughs> I um yeah. I remember one of the best experiences I had recently was on this charity shoot and we were working with a bunch of like um you know 14 13 year old girls there were three of them in a shot in a playground and the girls didn't realize they were all mic'd like while you know so the sounder and the director <laughs> could hear and we could all hear them and they were just like talking and gossiping like what was on their phones oh, about dear. boys and we were just all like we can hear you, like, FYI, your mic's on. <laughs> Lady, ladies, ladies, yeah. ladies. <laughs> I bet they're, yeah, I mean, I guess they're a 14, yeah. so hopefully it wasn't anything No, no but they were a bit mortified <laughs> that, they could, that we could hear. I was like, sorry, but you are. Yeah, like, talking about their secret crushes and you're like, I'm going to stop yeah. you right there. We can all hear you. Yeah, it's like the adults <laughs> can hear you. We don't want to hear you right now. We, we want to spare ourselves. Yeah. Um, oh, there's nothing worse than the the typical going to the toilet oh, and I not know, right? in your mic. I, I have done that before. <laughs> I have done that before. 
it was just a number one. So there was no. I'm so glad it was only number one. <laughs> I know. And it came out and lucky the sound guy, I think of that at that time was uh, someone I'd worked with before was like, your mic was on. And I was like, oh, you're kidding. I should know better. But yeah, it was, yeah, well, it was luckily not too big of a deal. Oh my God, that's so funny. Um but you, you, you and I have worked together quite a few times. Yeah, we did before I headed off. First of all, as well, just to, to interrupt yes. you, I just wanted to say I actually think that the transformation from this series of interviews into this podcast is really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really, really sick. Podcasts are such a, a thing today. Mm. Like my favorite podcast is actually a crime podcast and it is Australian and it's so comforting to just listen to this Aussie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a shout out. It's, it's called Case Files. Oh yes. Um, and it's narrated by an Aussie guy. And at first, I used to laugh a little bit because it, you know, it, I'd show people and they'd just be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I also, I love true crime. I love true true crime. It's narrated by an Australian, which is very comforting for me here in America when uh, most of the people I speak to are yeah. American. So it's my secret little comfort plus, yeah, I, I'm a bit, I'm a little uh, fucked up in that respect, <laughs> I guess. I just, I really <laughs> just love, I love horror films. I love action. It, it makes me feel. I like to feel. And some of these stories are, are so awful, but I want to know, yeah. you know, I want to know about them. And they're fascinating and interesting because so much of it isn't just about the awful crime it's about the human psyche yeah and that's you know you know me that's that's I want to learn as much as I possibly can about people and and how the mind works you know I, I think I've said to you before if I if I wasn't an actor I would be a therapist I would have yeah I, and and that still might be something I I get into later in life I I often say that that when I'm done with this I'm going to go study psychology because <laughs> you would you would be quite a good therapist it's it's interesting that you point that out as well because I like think you know one of those shows that I I really think you've probably watched you do is Mind Hunter. Oh, I haven't actually watched it but I know I, it's actually that's actually it's on my list. There's a couple things ahead of it, but that is a show that I know I would love. You are going to love it because just some of the things that people say, it's so fucked up. Um, they're not like your average, like, hey, this makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, you're very nonchalant about murdering someone. <laughs> sure. I'm, well, and that, but that's why, like, there's such an interest, why we all watch crime documentaries, and it's why we're so fascinated by people like Ted Bundy, because yeah. on the outside, and to everyone that knew them, they seemed somewhat normal. And I don't even know what no the word normal means. I, I almost want to retract that, because it's like, what is normal? But in a sense, societally, they seemed just like anyone else. And then, you know, that's what I find so interesting is like the the denial, mm. the complete denial of indisputable evidence. And again, it's just the human condition. Being an actor, you have to have an interest in that. You have to have a knowledge of that because you're portraying humans. Yeah. And not just characters, but that's, yeah, like authentically portraying humans. Yeah. Um, and in all of their in all their gory 
beauty or whatever their damagedness, whatever they've been through, their trauma and yeah, so I it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, it's it makes perfect sense that that stuff interests people like us because it's the human psyche is absolutely fascinating and I'm sure that this is a helpful lead in because I obviously also am just an advocate for mental health. I know you are too. Um and that's a huge part of it too is just again a uh, a uh, fascination with people but also having experienced uh, certain mental health issues myself. Um, I want to be able to do people like that justice when I get the privilege to play any character, whether it's a re- based on a real person or it's it's fictional or whatever. Like the more I know about human behavior and human mentality, the better actor I can be to do those those roles justice. So it all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I also love, I will say this, I absolutely love how much you're posting about mental health at the moment, especially about like diagnoses like ADD and ADHD and bringing that awareness to people. Mm. Because for me, as someone who has ADHD, that's great. Yeah. It makes people fully aware of the conditions and, you know, And I guess the less straightforward people think about people with ADD or ADHD, like what it actually is, because there is such a a stigma Mm. around. And I don't know, um, like, did you get diagnosed with it recently or is that? No. So I was actually diagnosed with ADHD when I was seven years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for that because I know, like, I know a lot of people that I've actually had two friends in particular that I was re- that I was that I'm really close with both be diagnosed with ADHD as adults. Mm. And I think they're super grateful to finally have a diagnosis uh in the respect that now they're like okay all these struggles I've had all these things make sense to me now mm. and and when when you know it's then a, like you're able to work with your brain because you learn how it works and what works for you. And I think one of the things about having ADHD and one of the things I'm such an advocate for is finding what works for you. Everyone is different. Everyone with ADHD is different. Yeah. Um, and so it's so important to, yeah, like you have to have, uh, you have to be really willing to be incredibly self-aware to be checking in with yourself con- constantly, to be able to take, uh, it's not even critici- crit- criticism, but even just observation. And that's something that, um, you know, people that love you can help you with. Um, and and being more open about it, telling more people about it, because I've, it's only recently I think that I've been uh, so, so much more open about it and wanting to talk about it that it's been great for all my relationships, friendships, my my partner and I, my my relationships with everyone close to me um, have benefited from my honesty about this rather than always masking and adjusting my behavior to fit in, to please other people, to not seem weird or unusual or out of place. Mm. Um to feel accepted, all of those things are very common with people with ADHD. It's the term that gets thrown around a lot is masking. Um, and I've definitely done that for many, many years. And I kind of got to a point quite recently 
where I was like, you know what? Like, obviously I'm a respectful person. I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. That's not what it's about. But I've been making myself constantly uncomfortable for a very long time, mm. uh, completely for other people and and at the detriment of my own mental health. Yeah. Um, and a little bit, I'm just kind of done with that. So, uh, and in this day and age, I think it's okay to ask people for support and patience. Like uh, one of my best friends is, oh God, love her. Um, she is so supportive in this and she asks, she's like, for example, uh, when I interrupt, because I do that a lot, I think anyone with ADHD knows that we're very impulsive and we get very excited and 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 something that we we do is as soon as we have a connection or a way to relate to someone, we just want to talk about it. Oh, 100%. So someone might share something about themselves and then you're like, oh, oh, I've, I've, I've done this, blah, blah, blah. And it's not us wanting to take over the conversation. We don't mean to interrupt. We're not trying to be rude. It's us just desperately trying to relate. Mm. And it can come across and upset people because essentially we've just cut them off from telling their story to tell ours. Yeah. Um, and so my beautiful, beautiful best friend, Sade, uh, recently said, she's like, when you interrupt me, um, what's the best way for us to move forward from that? Because obviously I can tell you it frustrates me at times and, you know, we're like sisters. She can say anything. <laughs> mm. Um, uh, but so, but I also don't want to, you know, cause you stress because I know it's something you struggle with. What do we do? And I, I was, I, I think I nearly cried because no one asks that type of stuff. Yeah. And I just, I hugged her and I was like, thank you so much. Uh, the answer to that is to very gently let me know because when I get reprimanded, then I close off. Yeah. Then I beat myself up. I feel bad. I go small. I go quiet. I go completely internal um, and it takes me a while to come back out. And she noticed that with me because one time I think uh, she kind of was a little firmer on me interrupting her at one point. And I retreated like I was a child. And so she said, she's like, what's, and I was like, yeah, the reprimanding, because I just, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to upset anyone and I haven't meant to do it. So if I do do this, being really gentle with me and just maybe saying something like, hey, hey, or squeezing my arm, be like, I hadn't finished talking. And then I'm going to be like, yeah. oh, oh my God, I'm so, I'm sorry. And I'm really good at also apologizing for when I interrupt just because again, I've been aware of this and living with it for a very long time. Um, but having said all that, asking for patience from people, I have ADHD. I may get overexcited. I may be impulsive. I might interrupt you at times. I want you to know that I'm never trying to be rude. And if you could have some patience with me and that would be fantastic. Thank you. You know, I'm not going in here saying I have all these issues I need, but expecting a bit of patience so I can still just be myself. Mm. And then it is, is, yeah, is it's changed everything for me. Um, but yeah, so I diagnosed at seven. I'm very grateful for my parents for, yeah, like my mom's a midwife and a medical professional. So mm. They both really realized I was struggling with things like reading. I love reading, but I have trouble staying focused. 
Yeah. Um, and so it all started to come out from a young age from me, which is also, let's talk about it, not as common with with women and girls. Yeah. And, and hence, which is why the stigma, particularly for women with ADHD, is it's strange because, you know, we still do somewhat live in a man's world. And mm. I feel like so much of the known symptoms were more common in boys and in yeah. men. Yeah. And a lot of that is based on things like ADHD mixed with testosterone. So they are more impulsive and it is more physically outwardly noticeable, whereas the girls don't always have those same symptoms, but it doesn't mean they're not struggling. It doesn't mean yeah. they, you know, aren't, you know, they're not able to listen for long amounts of time or stay focused on a task. And as an adult, you're just expected to, especially as an actor, I have to do my own work. I don't necessarily have a boss that's telling me to get this this X, Y, Z done by the end of the day. Mm. I have to be completely self-motivated in my career to keep it going. And yeah. that has been a that's always a struggle with ADHD. And so I I know I'm going on about this a bit, but no, uh, I love it. To finish off the story of that, I um I kind of not got re-diagnosed but just uh, had a psych evaluation here and was just confirmed, yes, you do in fact still have ADHD. And I was like, well, yes. So I took myself off medication. I was on medication through high school for it, mm. which I definitely do think helped. I didn't want to stay medicated when I turned 18, so I chose to take myself off it and got through college, got through my 20s. Um Again, wouldn't change a thing, but now that I'm in my early 30s, I kind of, especially coming out of the pandemic, coming out of uh, a really dark period of depression earlier this year, um, I'm not afraid to talk about it. It was the lowest I have ever been in my life mm. and it was scary. And that was what prompted me to, I was already in therapy. I've had a therapist here in LA uh, for about three years and she is wonderful and I could not recommend being in therapy more to mm. anyone. I think everybody should go. You, you don't have to, there doesn't have to be anything wrong with you <laughs> to need therapy. We all have hard times, dark times. We need guidance, support. Yeah. Everybody does. Um, but I was just finding it to be such a struggle coming out of that depression. My anxiety was at a, an all-time high. And these are symptoms of ADHD. There, you know, I was diagnosed with both anxiety and depression at that time, but the psychiatrist was very much, I think, because I said, I really think this all stems from my ADHD. And I think that that is the thing that I need to be treated for right now so that I can reach my full potential. Something else I've read about people with ADHD is that we're fully aware that yeah. we have good ideas, that we're skilled, that we're, you know, we don't half-ass the things that we do because we become obsessed with them. So we're experts at, you know, like yeah. 25 different things at any given time because we become obsessed and then we drop it. Yeah. And then we just get over it and it's gone. And I'm like, oh yeah, I used to, I used to do that. That I have this random skill from this because I was obsessed for a year and then I stopped doing it and yeah. haven't thought of it since. But but yeah, so ultimately I wanted to go back on medication, which is what I've done. And that's a scary thing, but I think it's the best thing for me because it's really 
I'm really noticing the difference in my motivation, my work ethic, my focus. And even if it's just short term for me, I really just want to be able to reach my potential. I want to get to a higher level in my career. Mm. And I felt like it was making it really hard for me to actually make the moves that I need to make to really grab this by the balls. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like what I love about that all is, is how, you know, cause I was diagnosed when I was five and I think something, you know, you really hit the nail on the head. It is very much obvious more in boys than it is in girls growing up. Mm. And because I knew a boy, sorry to interrupt again, but I knew a boy that in in primary school would throw chairs across the room. Yeah. And then when I got diagnosed, I was very ashamed because I was like, well, I don't I don't do that. And, and I, again, I, the one thing I didn't mention is I was very, very ashamed and embarrassed of yeah. having ADHD through high school. And even into my 20s and the older I got, um, the more I started to accept myself to realize that people didn't care. They'd be like, oh, yeah, my brother has that. Oh, yeah, like this, that. Oh, oh I have it too. Yeah. And I was like, why have I been so sh- so quiet about this when I could have had this support network that I've found now and felt so heard, so seen yeah. in who I am and, and so understood more than any clinical, you know, writings on this from doctors, psychiatrists can talk about. There's mm. nothing better than talking to someone else that that has this and just feeling so comforted and oh, my heart is warmer. My heart is happier just yeah. having found this community. Sorry. I just wanted to add I that love in. That. I didn't mean to No, 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 no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Your your brain thinks exactly the same as mine. And I was like, resist interrupting, resist Yes, interrupting. I know, I know. I'm like, hold tight, hold tight. I know. Oh, the stuff that goes through our heads. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the things that I love is also, you know, because I was the same. I haven't been on medication since I was probably about 19. Mm. And like, you know, that's 10 years of being off medication. I think for me as well, a lot of, you know, I was the same. I had so much shame about not talking about it. Like I didn't want to appear different. Mm. I didn't want to appear at all different. I know. Yeah, or less capable. Yeah, less capable. That's something too with it. You don't want to appear less capable to people. I think one of the things that my partner did, she when I told her I had ADHD, she just she did a bunch of research into it. She just wanted to know how to help and what mm. and she is so understanding and so supportive. It was the first person I ever you know ever dated who actually got me. Yeah. And said, "Look, Absolutely, 100% understand where you're at because I've met so many people who just don't Mm. and there's very few people who do get me in like as yourself, you and I get each other, but there's there's a sense of like so many people who don't and think you're weird and stuff and it's like don't let, as you say, don't let that bother you because- No, I've been called weird through my whole life. (laughs) Like isn't that such a generic thing? I remember once I was at work- and someone used to find me insufferable. Like they absolutely found me <laughs> the most insufferable person. And I said to them, look, I have a learning disability. Like I have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And they were like, oh. And I was like, right, you're doing that because you've suddenly just gone ticking your box. I don't have to worry because they're just different. 
And I was like, you're such an asshole. <laughs> like, in the back of my head, I was like, this should not matter. This should not matter. But it mm. does to some people. It, it does. It does. Well, and because of, you know, the I was reading a post the other day about the name isn't for ADHD, uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, isn't necessarily the best name for yeah. it. Um, and because it, yeah, like it doesn't always mean that you just run around like a mad thing. A, a lot of it is is just our brains race with a thousand more thoughts than perhaps someone who's not neurodi neurodivergent yeah. and it it's it's so overwhelming it's so overwhelming inside our heads sometimes mm. and but we also get overexcited and i know i i proudly almost proudly say like oh i i'm fully aware of how annoying i can be <laughs> <laughs> But I've almost embraced it and I I have a, a fairly good level, a fairly good hold over it. Yeah. And I love that you said that because that's something that my uh, my partner Graham has been so good with, especially recently as I've really just embraced that this is, that yeah. I have this, this thing, this condition. I'm learning about it. I'm trying to find ways to work with my brain to be the most productive, to be, you know, just yeah. like a, a higher functioning member of society, I guess. <laughs> but at the same time, like I said, I'm not going to change everything about myself. No. I do require people to have some patience. And he's been so great about th that recently because I, I shared something with him and he came up to me and he, he was like, I'm sorry if, you know, if I've added to you ever feeling, I can't remember exactly what it was, but ever feeling like that or or forever being not as understanding and just reading that made so much sense. And like I said, it's been so good for my relationships because they're, my friends and family, um, are they get me better mm. now. And they know that I'm working on certain things, but they also – find like thankfully they find a lot of it lovable so <laughs> that helps too yeah. like it's that can't live without can't live with you know it's like sometimes I think I think Graham just wants me to leave the room but then when <laughs> I do he misses me a little bit so <laughs> it's, it's so true and I think like just the the impulsive nature of like us especially is you know, and anyone who has, you know, ever, you know, in a producing role or, you know, in a directing role when you have ADHD, you generally try to plan stuff. But in your head, when you're there in the spur of the moment, you're also kind of like, you know, you you get overwhelmed. You get the sense of overwhelmed when yeah. so many suggestions come your way. And I remember... There's there's the thing I noticed when I was ever on set and too many questions were coming my way. I'd I'd have unless I had a pre-prepared answer, I would just be like, yeah, go and ask this other person because I don't have an answer because yeah. my brain would just be like panic, 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 panic. <laughs> just like well, and a symptom as well is is that you? It's like it actually it's called like it's sensory overload. Yes, and and it's because like if there's and it's and it can even just be from like overwhelmingly loud noise, mm. um, uh, you know, lights and things like that as well in some cases, not all, but in some. And so like even little things, like if I'm cooking and I have the overhead fan on, that 
I hate that thing. Yeah. It over. I don't know why. I just have this thing. I I I, I hate it. But I also. <laughs> You know, my mild OCD comes into play and I don't want the smoke alarm to go off, so I'll deal with it. But the second I get to turn it off, I, like, visibly am relieved. For some reason, that sound just causes me stress. And when I turn it off, I'm like, oh, I can hear again. It's it's the weirdest little things, isn't it? Yeah. That can just send you into over in a state of anxiety or being overwhelmed. Yeah. I... I find some of the weirdest things that will just go, go, nope, nope, cannot deal with this, like... Yeah, can't uh, deal. Like, certain yep. <laughs> certain alarm tones Oof. absolutely drive me bonkers. Yeah. Like, certain pitches. I found out, you know, like, some words that people... Or the, or the tone <laughs> of... The tone of intention, because, it, it, like, when growing up, my dad and I... Like, my dad's much better now, but he obviously had this inflection when he was annoyed or angry, which was very serious. Mm. Now he tries to use a much more playful tone so that he... But he does this thing, you know, like, I used to get very irritated with certain tones of voices that he used, and now I'm very easy. And I know that's partly a relationship thing with my dad, but also it was partly because I just can't stand certain tones, like, as you were saying, when people have harsh tones or anything in the voice because it just kind of makes me go nope like my brain's in overload mode yeah you, re- you retreat because you've been reprimanded or yeah. got in trouble almost and it takes you back into that childlike state and it's yeah it's it's not nice no and but but that's yeah and and because we're we're like hugely sensitive we're hypersensitive actually yeah so like i might yeah i i remember like in in school this one time, uh, I'll keep this brief, but I'd had a bit of a tiff with a friend at school mm. and I obsessed the whole night. I barely slept. I was so anxious and stressed because of this one little thing that they'd said that I I focused on. I, over, I overthought about it and I was just, yeah, I was so upset. I told mum all about it and I was so so much more anxious and nervous than mm. than I just should be. And I remember going to school the next day and them going, oh yeah, hey, by the way, sorry about yesterday. It was so stupid. I, I hope it I hope you, you know, didn't even think about it. I yeah. didn't really, I just, yeah, it it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no worries. I I'd almost forgotten. <laughs> and not the case. It's like yeah, like when you might have a, an altercation with a friend and they they go home and sleep easy and don't even think about it and, and then I'll think about it for two weeks yeah. and be like, they're mad at me and they hate me. And then I, yeah, uh, uh, it's, but knowing, knowing that, one thing that's helped me a lot is I have a very strong logical side, thank yeah. God. I, I really do have that. It's I call her logical nair. Oh. Um, and whenever things are irrational, I know that logical nair will come in and go, okay, okay, all right. You're a little upset, clearly. Let's look at the facts. Let's actually look at the facts and the logic behind this. You might be overreacting. And it's it's yeah, like I ha- I talk to myself. I'm not ashamed. I I literally, whether it's verbally or just in my head logical nair has I love that yeah has always been a great help particularly because we have very strong emotional reactions again impulsive it can be upset it can be anger do you have that that's one thing with me like 
I, I, I can just fly off the handle at this, at the littlest thing might be an inanimate object, but like, I would just see red and it's just pure rage and it's so inappropriate and unnecessary, but it's also just, it's, it's like this trigger and you, you just have such strong emotional reactions to some things with ADHD. I think one of the best things my teacher ever said was like, there was some incident that happened in class. I was angry as anything and fumed in and like I think I knocked over a chair or something I was pretty angry but the, my te- <laughs> yeah, you were that kid yeah I was that kid <laughs> but I remember like my teacher was just like okay who pissed off Martin because he doesn't ever get this angry <laughs> and it was like straight up just like I need to get to the bottom of this because no one fucking makes him angry yeah oh well that's it's good when your teacher has an understanding yeah I mean like I got this sense of like they were, you know, and the schools that I went to, the curriculum, like while the kids weren't great, the teachers were, and they were very understanding mm. of the fact that I had a learning disability and they were very like yeah, understanding of that. The kids, on the other hand, because you're all full of hormones and shit, it, they just weren't. They were very much struggling with, a lot of them were struggling with their own issues. I think- the case I found was I knew very early on I wanted to get into acting and film and that was a very clear directory of what I wanted to do and I know a lot of other people did not know what they wanted to do and I think Mm. they found that frustrating that someone who they thought was Mm. like I guess in an educational standpoint less ahead was actually more ahead in life. I, I relate so much and and one thing I wanna I just wanna kind of for the for the sake of our of our listeners hearing about this that may or yeah. may not have ADHD or may have struggled with similar conditions or whatever it may be, um, yeah, like it 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 doesn't like my uh, pediatrician that's the word mm. would always just tell me how smart I was, mm. and he said it's that's part of what this is. You have such a hunger to learn things that interest you, you will become an expert in. Um, It's because you're smart. Yeah. And, you know, that was, I didn't always agree. I didn't always believe him. My insecurities would take over. But throughout my treatment, particularly when I was a younger kid, I, my pediatrician was actually just a wonderful, wonderful human. He was actually there when I was born. He was, again, my mom you know, it was all a very close knit community of doctors, midwives, pediatricians. So they all worked together actually. Mm. So he was also just a a very close friend and colleague of my mother's. So he took particularly, and I think he cared for his patients all equally, but he, he just took such particular care of, of nurturing our, like uh, nurturing us to stop us being insecure. Mm. So it was it was very comforting to be told that this stemmed from being very intelligent as well and that with the help of maybe medication, if that's right for you, I also just want to say that I'm not necessarily an advocate for or against. I think it's a very case-by-case thing. It, being on medication isn't right for everyone. It can be right for someone. Uh, and I definitely just think it's something that should be explored because medications have side effects. They can be addictive. They can be difficult to get off. So, mm. which was a big reason that I didn't want to be on it for most of my life up until this point. 
Um, so yeah, I have mixed feelings about it even still, but I do know it is helping me a lot right now. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, have, having, having said that, like it, it, it helped to have supportive people when I was young and, and it makes me sad that not everyone has that. Not everyone gets diagnosed and it can fuel the tumultuous, turbulent experience that you have when yeah. you're misunderstood or you don't even know what it is and you don't know why you have these intense emotions or this distractibility or this, you know, um, whatever it is, whatever symptom it is that that is coming up for you. It, yeah. Yeah. I think I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, which also <laughs> happens a lot. I love that. I think <laughs> that was was a perfect example for everybody. <laughs> I think what I love also also is like you you talked about having a really bad year, mm. and I think in terms of things that I know, and I've done a lot of research, you know, obviously into ADHD, that is quite common for people with ADD or ADHD is to feel like their emotions at a, such a high level that, mm. you know, things like anxiety and, you know, and depression and, you know, and really traumatic events that do happen cause you to really feel it. Yeah. Well, cause you're just so hyper aware of everything and, yeah. and you think of every little thing that could go wrong and it's not necessarily being pessimistic, but it leads to such anxiety mm. and, and in some cases, and or depression. Um, yeah, like uh, an example that I use for, to like explain what it might be like at any given time for me with ADHD and, and this one I think is quite an interesting one. I might be in a conversation with someone looking face-to-face with them in person talking um, and then my nose gets a little itchy. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'll just give my nose a little scratch, right? Keep listening. Okay, so, yeah, we're talking about... Uh, I don't know, dogs, whatever it is. Um, and, oh, that didn't quite get it. My nose is still itchy. Still listening. Yep, you you took your dog to the dog park. It was a really fun thing. To, oh, I've just got to scratch this thing. Okay, that's twice now. I Okay, I can't scratch. It's still itchy. I can't scratch my nose again because then this person is going to think I'm strange. I've stopped listening. I've checked out. <laughs> I But my nose is still itchy. And all I can think about is that if I scratch it again, they're going to judge me and think something's weird about me and I will hyper-focus on this mm. thought and then all of a sudden I've missed the last two minutes of conversation and they're like, yeah, so, yeah, what did what did you think about that? And I'm like, i got to be completely honest with you. I, I zoned out. I spaced out and hyper-focused on this stupid little thing and I was so worried about what you would think about me if I scratched my nose for a third time that I stopped listening. And that might be, and then also you remember something else, you might, you know, whatever it is, but that's something I explained to someone recently and they were like, wow, that, that was, that painted a picture. That <laughs> is, that's, so that's what you're dealing with at any given time. I'm yeah. like, yeah, like I have worked very hard to be a good listener through being an actor as well as help that. Yeah. But because I knew it was one of my weakest points. I actually worked really, really hard to just be a very active listener. Mm. And I've achieved that for the most part. It it comes in occasionally, but for the most part, I am quite good at focusing in and listening to someone. But I get exhausted and I really notice that my social what like limit 
runs out. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, even if I don't need to go, I'm like, I'm just, I, I need to leave this conversation because I, I'm exhausted. Yeah. It's no other reason, but I just, I, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And that's, I, that's when I dis- discovered recently that I am as, as much of an introvert as I am an extrovert, despite everyone thinking I'm an extrovert. So yeah, sometimes I just go to the bathroom just to be alone for a moment and recoup and breathe. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> That's a tactic in my life that helps, for example, you know? (laughs) I love that as well. And I think I don't, I know this happens to me as well. It's sort of like, I will natter on when I'm 100% comfortable with someone and it's like an open and personal environment. But yeah, you do have that kind of like, I've got to have five minutes alone or a minute alone just to recoup my brain because it's like out of fuel just give me five yeah that really happens Mm. I always masked myself as a as an extrovert because that's what everybody told me I was yeah and it wasn't until I got older that I was like yes absolutely I am an extrovert but I have very strong introverted tendencies and I I've been running myself ragged all these years trying to keep up with the self that I think I'm supposed to be yeah and so it's been really nice to be able to say you know what I feel obliged to go everywhere and do everything and say yes to everything. But it's, again, at the complete expense of myself and my mental health and my energy. And so figuring stuff like that out has helped me so much. I'm so much better at being like, you know what? I need a night at home. I need to nurture this part. I can't keep sacrificing things I need to do for this, that, and the other. Mm. And yeah, I, again, I've been very slowly building a routine for myself, for my work, um, that also caters to the way my brain works and the needs that I have. And yeah, I love sharing that with people that I've come to a much better place with it. Despite the fact that I still struggle, I, yeah, it's becoming easier to, to manage my brain. (laughs) Which I think is fantastic and I think just shows like a com- tremendous amount of uh, hard work and effort that, you you know, on your part because, you know, you could have just absolutely left it to the wayside and, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of people out there have, you know, that's the thing that with like diagnosis and, you know, I think having it such at an early age as well probably helped a huge amount and not to say that you can't have that later in life but there's so many people who I know who have undiagnosed you know neurodiverse you know situations that you can clearly see like they're neurodiverse Mm. but they've just their parents have never given them the support or they've they've been afraid to find a diagnosis yeah for what they have they're they're they live in fear. And that's why I want to be such an advocate for it. And that's why recently, like I've been posting and sharing so many things, particularly on Instagram. Um, uh, I'm sure that you'll, for the, for the listeners, give my handle. Um, but also, yeah, one of the things that I've, I've found is again, the learning, um, But yeah, like I want to be an advocate. I want to share this experience because since I've been doing this, Martin, the amount of people that have actually just reached out to me personally, both uh, strangers, Mm. uh, friends, blasts from the past, people that I haven't spoken to in years back in Australia, but that were always friends or acquaintances that have reached out and just said, hey, 
thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this. I have thought for a long time that I might have ADHD and a lot of what you share makes so much sense to me. And I I think I'm going to go and speak to a doctor. And I reply with, I'm so glad if you ever want to talk about this. If you don't, that's fine. Um, But you're strong. And if you want to go talk to a doctor about it, then you should. And I'll often share a lot of the uh, profiles that I've found on Instagram with them that really started just helping me because it was, it was there. Yeah. They might just be little cartoons or whatever that explain. So they're very easy to look at and, but they're so informative about particular symptoms about, uh, with ADHD and, it's just completely warmed my heart because I know what it's like to struggle in silence. I know what it's like to be ashamed. I know what it's like to be medicated, unmedicated. Uh, I don't know what it's like to not know because I've been diagnosed since I was young, but I Mm. sympathize completely with people that think that they have it and aren't sure. And the more I can share about it, the more I can open up the dialogue with people the more awareness that we spread and also stopping the stigma because, again, a lot of what people think ADHD is is not completely inaccurate but it might Mm. only be with some cases, it might not present like that in others and it doesn't even scratch the surface of the multitude of symptoms that it creates and that all often go hand in hand with with other things and with anxiety and with depression and so yeah yeah that that's that's become something that again is why one day you know if I take off my filmmaker hat I I would I want to help I want to help people with particularly with ADHD yeah I think I think that's such a wonderful 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 thing and I think it's really interesting that you point out all those things because I want to say this as when people are diagnosed with ADHD or ADD it is you know it is a serious thing it is like how um how we live our lives and we think differently but we're you know because we're neurodiverse but Mm. I want to say on the other hand it doesn't make us difficult children because the stigma that I remember growing up with was if you had a child with ADHD or ADD, you were a problematic child, they used to say prior to diagnosis mm. or if they didn't know. And mum used to have that so often to happen to her that it was like your child's problematic or stuff like that. And she had to, you know, absolutely yeah, defend. Yeah, it's just not really the right way to, yeah, it's not really the right way to put it. No. Being labelled as problematic from a young age is something that is, that's traumatic. Yeah. That's something that you carry into adulthood and so many of the things that we, that, you know, that shape us, that help us become the adults that we, that we are, happen in childhood. Yeah. And because it often doesn't mean that. It means, it often means that you're, you're very creative and, and again, like you're spontaneous. There, Having ADHD is both a blessing and a curse. I often say that. There are things that make it hard, but it's also a superpower. Yeah. Like again, when I hyper-focus on something, um, it's, it's yeah, the, the skills that I can learn because of it are, are amazing. And again, yeah. we're often creative people. 
we have good ideas. We just need a bit of support, a bit of guidance, a bit of nurturing and people that understand us a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think you know, you're such a such an amazing, wonderful human being. <laughs> you are too, Martin. I'm loving this. Yeah. <laughs> um I wanted to I wanted to say also what's like I mean, over the you know, because obviously you've you've been in LA for the last four years. Yeah, we should bring it back to some career talk, perhaps. <laughs> career talk before we finally wrap up. But yeah, some career talk now. Yeah. We, but I mean like what's your what's your next agenda? Because you've just recently um, basically at the beginning of the year, extended it for how many more years? So uh, another three. Okay, another three. So yeah. what's your what's your trajectory now for the next three years? So the trajectory for me is obviously I, I am going to be here in LA for a little bit longer, um, mm. pretty much indefinite at this point. But I do know one day I probably will come back to Australia. I yeah. have loved living in America, but... Uh, you know, we we all know there are certain certain aspects of this country that aren't perfect. No, and look, I'm not saying Australia is either. Like, no, politically, there's issues everywhere. Come on, but <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. But, um, yeah, I for the moment, I'm I'm still just I'm very hungry and ambitious and yeah, uh, focused on this yeah on this on this career so i i definitely plan to be here for at the very least the duration of my visa uh i am hoping to work towards getting a green card because it does it it more just makes it makes things a lot easier work wise over here in yeah. lots of in in all areas even as an actor uh being on the o1 is quite is can be quite limiting there are certain mm. certain studios that like it's not always talked about, but they don't always want to use people on O ones because it's extra paperwork or whatever. And yeah, yeah there is there are still uh, definite hurdles to overcome being on an O one, and so that's kind of a goal for me. I would like to ideally get onto a green card because it opens a lot more doors for me career wise. Um, yeah. I yeah, I want to keep like I'm at a point too where. Throughout my career, sometimes I turn my nose up at making my own content because of the the competition, the money, the time, and the effort that can often just end up creating something that never gets seen or never goes anywhere. And you know, but and but I think I was making excuses. So mm. my love of having a certain amount of control in the roles that I play, the the things that I put out there, is very important to me because I. I'm very passionate and I, you know, I have opinions, but I'm, uh, I'm also, again, like I've, I've demonstrated, I'm an advocate for certain things and I really want to speak out uh, about things like mental illness, human rights, all of that. So I want to mm. work on, on projects that do these things justice, uh, uh, do women justice, you know? And so in the next few few years, I very much want to continue honing my writing. I want to create bigger projects. Uh, I've been working on writing a web series with my writing partner for a while now. And it's one of those things that we've been kind of writing it for a few years at this point. And mm. I'm fully okay with that. I'm fully okay with it just taking time to become what it's going to be. Um I've also been really honing uh, voiceover. That's something that through the pandemic I made a, a higher priority and 
I'm actually currently in a class for voiceover. I have a voiceover agent. I've, I actually just recorded two podcasts recently that were actual, um, you know, I was playing a character in those podcasts. Oh. Yeah. And, and they were SAG projects, which is, which is great as well. So I'm starting to actually start booking in voiceover, which is super exciting. So yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm thriving. I'm very proud and happy to say that I'm, I'm thriving in this and I have, I'm feeling very, again, focused and ambitious in being an actor uh, continuing to do things like direct the music videos, create content, yeah. but also uh, I'm very lucky to have a great manager that I I, I signed up with uh, towards the end of last year, and I'm really excited to work with them. We're kind of uh, we've we've said you know we're in this for the long haul for the moment, and mm. um, I trust them. I trust them. So I'm also very excited to see where they might take my career and the opportunities to come out of that. And yeah, just doing the thing, just over here hustling. And I'm <laughs> at a place where I'm really loving it. It's not always, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship. I'm sure you're aware. There are the times where I cry and I'm a puddle on the floor going, I'm just going to give up. I'm such a failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's other days like today where I just, I just did a self-tape audition that I felt very good about and, and I'm loving it. I'm finding the fun as opposed to the anxiety when I get self-tapes more now. And yeah. yeah, I haven't always been like that. A lot of things in anxiety and thing, a lot of things in my career held me back, held me back from finding the love and the joy. And then it's kind of like, why are you doing this if you're not, if you don't love it still? So yeah, I really do really love it. I want to tell stories. I want to act in them. I want to write them. I want to direct them. I want to do everything. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I love all this. So yeah, that's the trajectory just to keep going. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so, I'm so excited to see where your future goes. Cause I just see, I see a wonderful, amazing things. And you know, you're such a wonderful, amazing human that I know you'll, you'll be bouncing around doing magnificent things and lots of different things. Full of energy. Thanks. Full of energy that. now. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something I'm not lacking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this gives us a perfect point to wrap up, but I'm going to get you to tell everyone where they can kind of stalk you on the internet and where they can find you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so aside from uh, I have a website that's mm-hmm. com. I'm going to spell Nerida Bronwyn for everyone right now. It's N E R. I-D-A-B-R-O-N-W-E-N. That's the spelling of my name. My handle across the board is at Nerida Bronwyn, so that's where you'll find me on Twitter, on Instagram, mm. um, I and on Facebook as well. I Yeah. So my website is currently undergoing a little bit of a – I'm redoing it at the moment. I'm actually really excited about that, so that's something Ooh. fun to look at. There's a lot of footage of me, some headshots, uh, Soon the the press page will be updated and that kind of says a few of the things that I've been doing, working on. Um, I, I'm on IMDb. You can check me out there as well. But, yeah, for more of a follow me on social, I am the most active on Instagram. Yeah, you are. 
You're very, you're very prominent yeah, on Instagram. I, I'm pretty MIA when it comes to Facebook, but if you want to follow me, <laughs> I, I haven't mastered the Twitterverse yet. I like it, but I'm, again, pretty inactive, but I do have yeah. Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, in, Instagram is definitely where to go to find me and to watch my stories day to day and keep up with, yeah, that the general what I'm doing at any given time. Oh, I love that. I love that. Go and stalk her. She's a yeah. magnificent, magnificent human yeah. being. Oh, yeah. But and because I should also plug this too, I uh, if you want to see, because this is Australia that I'm talking to right now, yeah. um, uh, I'm, I'm in a series on Netflix, which is Australia, New Zealand, uh, Netflix, called mm-hmm. 600 Bottles of Wine. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's – I still love plugging. It's still one of the most favourite things I've been a part of. Uh, it started as a web series, got picked up by TV, got picked up by Netflix. It's been it's been in Finland, Canada, South Africa, I think. I, I can't even remember. But, but yeah, it's a really fun, uh, fun, fun show. It's a bit of a dramedy written by a good friend of mine called Grace Rouvray. Um, and so, yeah, she wrote and starred as the lead character and I was just honored to get to be a series regular on that. And so, yeah, if you want to see me do any acting, that's probably the, the, the best way to, to find something that I'm in that you guys can watch. I which which I've watched all of that and it's very fun. (laughs) It is fun, isn't it? (laughs) Awesome. Well, you know, everyone go and check out Netflix, go and. Go and watch 600 Bottles of Wine. Go watch me. Go watch 600 <laughs> Bottles of Wine. Everyone in that, everyone, crew, cast, everyone in that was amazing too. Just want to shout yeah. them all out. The The acting's top notch, the directing, the writing. It's it's a really fun show. I love it. Um, <laughs> and and if you want to go and check out more episodes of The Things We Do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. And next week I'll be talking to another guest and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.